0: Science Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host, and you have heard about the Koran. Uh, well, as a Christian, do we really look at the Koran? Uh, some people say, why bother? Well, not today. We're going to take a an interesting look at it. We have a great author, a scholar, Mark Robert Anderson. He studied theology at Westminster Theological Seminary, and uh, he has an MA in Islamic Studies from McGill University, and for nearly a decade, he lived and studied and taught in Egypt and Jordan. Uh, welcome to the program, Mark.
1: Thank you very much, Michael. It's great to be with you.
0: It's great to be with you. You know, this is a sticky subject for a lot of people because they figure, you know, how can Christians really touch this subject? And by the way, is it the Quran or the Quran? Uh, Are we talking uh, tomato, tomato, or, or is, is there a right way to say that?
1: Uh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, in Arabic, it would be the ah sound, so Quran.
0: The Quran. All right, very good, and so interesting. Now you're a Christian, correct? Yes, I am. Yeah, so tell us about your interest in the Quran, and um, and plus it says a Christian exploration. I mean, the name of your book is called the Quran in Context: A Christian Exploration.
1: Right, so um, I guess I guess one of the things I don't know how I. How I realized years ago—maybe I didn't—but uh, somehow I think I did realize that Islam and Christianity, these two communities, huge communities in the world, we we had this future together, and we had to somehow work at getting along together and understanding each other, and and hopefully being understood by the other community and. So, um, if you think of where we are right now, Michael, we are 13 years away from two-thirds of the world's population being either Christian or Muslim. Wow. Which is, to me, that's just phenomenal to think of. Um, Most secularists, as you know, would be shocked to hear that. They think religion is going away, but uh, it's not. And uh, so, to me learning to listen and understand and um, communicate effectively and of course listening first is a key to communicating effectively so to me that's just a really important part of uh, understanding the Quran and and taking the time to read it or or, listen to what muslims are saying about it
0: it's true and i know in israel there's some restaurant where if an israeli will eat with someone from uh, a muslim actually that the meal will be like 50 percent off he wanted to actually promote peace and unity since we all have to get do you ever hear that story
1: I have not. I would love to know more about it, though. It, it sounds great.
0: Yeah, I mean, and this book sounds great because, first of all, it's heavy. <laughs> A lot of work went into this, and uh, <laughs> for sure. And so, you know, I talk to people who are, are Muslims, you know, and they'll say, "Ah, oh, Jesus and uh, and the Quran. We're we're the same. We're the same." And they They seem absolutely certain that it's like we okay, we worship the same God, and then you try to read it and and then the the ways part between you know Abraham and Ishmael. Can you take us a little further?
1: Yeah, so um, Muslims, Muslims do believe that they really honor Jesus, and they would uh, I think most Muslims would say that Jesus is the second greatest prophet to them. Uh, or one of the top prophets for sure Um, but you know there's no question about it if you read the Quran and study it carefully the Quran sidelines Jesus so it, it does honor him but at the very same time it marginalizes him and so that's a really funny thing to observe and a lot of people who are just looking for the sort of similarities between the religions they will stop when they see that there's that honor there for Jesus and they won't go any further Mm -hmm. but uh, in fact he is also very decisively marginalized and and I would say personally if I were a Muslim, I would think Abraham is probably more important than Jesus um, and certainly Muhammad is and no Muslim would argue over that point Um, so yeah um, they believe that abraham's religion um sort of takes you back before the decisive sorry divisiveness of jews and christians so moses they would say was sort of the founder of judaism and jesus the founder of christianity and abraham if you go back to abraham you get just pure simple religion without any of the complications (laughs) and any of those controversies.
0: Yeah. I mean, you really delve deep into this, and it's interesting because, I mean, as a Christian, we want to witness to Muslims, for sure, you know? Right. And so when we talk to Muslims, all of a sudden we realize, okay, it's where the debits and the credits, you do more good than bad, you're going to heaven, and that's where they believe. And so uh, where do they lose interest in us? I mean, when it comes to the sin issue, is that it?
1: (laughs) Well... For them, the sin issue—it's it, really quite a different thing. They—they they don't believe that we are all sinners, and so if if you approach a Muslim and and take that as a sort of starting point, that doesn't work very well because sinners are bad guys, and Muslims are not bad guys. They're good guys. They—they they do the right things, and so that's their their understanding of that one. I see. Uh, yeah, there's there's quite a Quite a few points where we just butt up against each other, and and we have these hot button issues, like is Jesus the Son of God? Um, Muslims would say no, absolutely not, and um, the other one, of course, is Muhammad, God's Prophet, and we would probably say no, he's not a Prophet. But uh, those are those are the kind of issues that I would say we probably want to stay away from.
0: Um, <laughs> You're in so, some fights there. Yeah.
1: yeah uh, I mean, you have to get there eventually, but you don't have to start there.
0: Well, I mean, what's interesting is that it's a Christian exploration. I mean, the whole idea, once you said at the very beginning, is to bring Christians and Muslims together. So, you know, in learning about what is important to a Muslim, how can we bridge that gap?
1: Well, um, I, I think one of the greatest things to do. First of all, we don't want to go towards in any friendship with a Muslim. We don't want to be defensive. Um, that's that's just so counterproductive. You know, if we're if we feel like we're in a contest with them and um, and we've got to score points or, or that sort of thing, or we've got to tell them, I, I have actually been on Christian radio talk show where. Every single time the talk show host spoke, he had to say, "We believe Islam is a false religion." Yeah. Yikes. Uh, I mean, do we have to say that
0: all where's the that, where's know? the gasoline you know yeah. I mean in yeah. trying to trying to be a peacemaker maybe
1: Yeah, so to me, I mean, I don't see Jesus talking to people like that. Um, he talked to anybody and everybody and uh, the only people he was really combative with were the religious leaders who were leading the nation astray and who were responsible for doing that um so no i i think we don't want to be defensive we want to be we want to be inquisitive we want to be asking good questions and you know it doesn't you can't go wrong if you just ask a question like oh so so what does this really mean to you and well Can you explain that to me? So just to give you one example, Mm -hmm. Muslims will say that um, the Bible has been corrupted. And that's one of their big defenses against Christianity is that, well, you have a corrupt Bible and so we can't listen really to anything that it says. Um, So you can take that and you can be really defensive and you can... Uh, you know, bring all the facts, and I mean, sure, there's a, there's a place for bringing those facts about, you know, it doesn't make sense, really, that the Bible's been corrupted, the way they're talking about, sure, there's been textual little variants, just because of the copy, the, the, you know, it was manual copying, and we all make mistakes when we copy things, but, um but as far as you know the kind, the extent of corruption they're talking about is huge mm. it would mean that jesus is not the son of god all the all that in in the new testament is wrong it would mean that jesus death on the cross is wrong they don't believe that either um, it would mean that god's desire for relationship and intimacy with us is all corrupted into the bible that it was never there originally and so that we're talking about huge corruption, so one of the great questions just to ask is, okay, so what has been corrupted? How did it happen? Who did it? Those, are, those aren't hostile questions, those are just really good honest questions that every Muslim should be asking, but most Muslims would never ask themselves. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's stuff from the Quran that addresses this also, and I have uh, a chapter in my book that deals with that, where really, if you understand what the Qur'an is saying, it actually isn't saying that the text of the Bible was corrupted, but only that um, the Bible was um, uh, misinterpreted. And so, yeah, so those are the kinds of discussions that are really helpful, and they're not hostile, they're not antagonistic at all. but. Uh, they do ask Muslims to think about what they're really saying and and why they're saying it and so hopefully move move the conversation forward.
0: It's not an easy conversation, that's for sure. And, you know, I think a lot of Christians, they want to understand the Quran. I'm Certainly they want to have a good conversation with a Muslim because they want to present Jesus uh, in witnessing. But it's almost like you talk to someone. And I mean no disrespect by this, but this is how it feels. Sometimes you're talking, and it's like if you're talking to someone, and all of a sudden their story makes no sense at all. And you start thinking, is this person all together? And that's where it gets kind of frustrating. Frustrating because you talk to a Muslim makes perfect sense to them, but then as you compare the Bible with the Quran, the stories are so different. It's like one seems like sci-fi and the other. In, can you? How do we bridge that gap?
1: Um. um yeah. Well.
0: Do we ever get there? <laughs> it's yeah,
1: like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about, Michael. Um, so what what I think is going on there just to kind of give you a little background for that um, I mean I don't know if we have anything quite like this in Christianity and in, ch- in our churches I, I think we do probably you know where we, we have a certain text of scripture that we, we understand a w- in a way that well you know like when we read about the Pharisees for example Mm-hmm. we don't usually identify with the Pharisees we always deal with those passages in such a way that the Pharisees are other people than us, you know, that doesn't pertain to us, those are the bad guys and so we have our certain little interpretations of scripture that um, are maybe sidestepping in some ways some of the issues that we need to be thinking about um, Muslims are. are the Quran does the same sort of thing and and a lot of what we have in the Quran was based on Jewish interpretation Yes, um, that sort of does that sidestepping business and and one of the things that you find consistently throughout the Quran is that um, the Quran will never uh, talk about intimate relationship between humans and God and so, That's
0: something that I read about in your book there. I thought that was very interesting that, you know, there's no real intimacy or knowledge. And, and how can we even know Or that it's, God is so great and divine that you can really never really get to know him? And, and of course, I thought that was really certainly a difference and a comfort, with, uh, which Christianity brings. Didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I, I really enjoyed that part of your book.
1: Oh, good. I, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, um, to me, that's a huge, huge difference. Probably the biggest difference is that, you know, God so repeatedly in in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, he wants to know us. And this is eternal life, you know, knowing God. And um, so that's not in in the Quran at all. Um, But just back to the the differences in, in Bible stories, I don't usually get into that. You know, I wouldn't quibble with people about the way it's written. I I think it's much better to stick with the bigger issues and um, to put good questions to Muslims so that they they have to think about things that they maybe haven't thought about before.
0: What are some of those things? I was just going to ask you that, because are there some things that a Muslim will hear about the claims of Christ in Christianity that bring comfort to them, where they realize, well, this is kind of a burden being a Muslim sometimes?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So two things come to mind immediately, and one is um, there is the issue of violence. Um, so I know people will say, well, there's violence in the Bible, there's violence in the Quran. same, same, you know, we just have to pick and choose which verses we want to live by or focus on. Um, but there's actually quite a difference, because what we have in, in the Bible is uh, lots of violence in the Old Testament, and, and as Christians we we struggle often to know how to even deal with that, what to do with it. Um, but we don't find any violence in the New Testament. Um, so, it's, it starts out violent and it ends non-violent, but with the Qur'an we have the exact opposite. So, if you take the Qur'an chronologically, it's, it's not ordered chronologically, but if you follow it chronologically, it starts out non-violent and it ends very, very violent.
0: Hmm interesting and
1: So that that's a problem um, and that is what we have going on in the Muslim world today is some Muslims are not happy with that uh, often referred to as moderate Muslims or something like that um, and then you have the Islamists who say no this is this is where it was all going and this is where it should be so it's to me it's great to talk about what Jesus said about turning the other cheek about loving our enemies, those kinds of things, uh, that won't get a, a unanimous response from Muslims. Um, some will like it, some will not, but at the same time that's biblical truth and I think when we share that kind of truth um, to some it will bring great comfort and to others it'll probably get under their skin a bit mm-hmm. and make them think. Yeah, and hmm. So that's one. Um, and, the relationship uh, is, is another one, relationship with God. Again, that's going to uh, push some of their buttons, but uh, I, I think that's uh, an amazing thing and, and wonderful that God would want that with us. And then the third one um, that comes to mind is just the number of rules that there are to keep.
0: Too what many. <laughs> Too many, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's phenomenal, and, and uh, if you want to be a really serious Muslim, you should pattern your life after Muhammad's life in, in the details of his life, so literally how he um, looked after personal hygiene, you should be following Muhammad's example and doing likewise, and like, so to me, that's, Wow. <laughs> that's huge um, huge burden to have to try to do and and um, Muslims many of them valiantly and and I would say to me it's heroic the efforts they go to to try to please God like that but when you hear about what Jesus invites us to which is a relationship with God where God transforms us Mm -hmm. and writes his law on our hearts and enables us to love the things that he loves and and to do as he would do amen that's so different and i think that challenges muslims and it, it also would bring some comfort to any Muslim who's feeling the weight of, of all those loss.
0: Yes, keep preaching, Mark. I'm here. <laughs> I'm enjoying every. I'm really, my heart is filled with what you're saying. This is what it's really all about. And, you know, I'm wondering, how does Muhammad even get the kind of airtime that he gets? In other words, I don't like, we don't really, as a Christian, think a lot uh, or enough of him. And maybe we don't need to. I don't know. But, um, you know, there's certain prophets and there's certain minor prophets in, in the scriptures. But how could it be that all of a sudden one man, such as Muhammad, uh, have the kind of reach? And I think that's kind of worth a, a Christian exploration right there. How does he get so much attention?
1: Right. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's kind of it's an interesting question, because for Muslims, um, the number question, how many how many people follow Muhammad or how many people are Christians and follow Jesus um, that's a huge question and uh, they would probably put a different weight on it than, than I would I, to me whether, whether we're in the minority or the majority I think Christians are at the moment in the majority uh, worldwide but um, that's not a deciding factor as to who is true or what is truth um, but for Muslims it often is um, I think it's interesting. I was talking with someone the other day, and they said Islam, in many ways, simplifies Christianity. So we have the Trinity, which is for a lot of Christians, are you know, we we're not really supposed to be able to explain the Trinity. In you know, if you understand it perfectly, then you probably got it wrong, because the Trinity is not something that makes God completely uh, understandable to us, it it more or less marks off the bounds of his transcendence Hmm. and yet shows us how he has come close to us. And um, so Islam came along and said, "Mm, the Trinity, no, that's really messy. We're going to get rid of that. Now, I, I, I don't think it was necessarily a conscious thing the way I'm saying here, but but you get what I mean, that mm-hmm. uh, Islam said, no, we don't need that. And then we have um, a bit of a mess going on also in terms of is is um, military warfare, is that okay? Or should we turn the other cheek? And you have um, some Christians who are pacifists and say, no, there's never a place for that. And and others who say, no, it's, it's absolutely right for... Uh, countries to defend themselves and and again Islam comes along and says oh that's messy, uh, we're going to uh, just go with the latter and say um, yeah, countries can defend themselves and Islam is, is like a nation in that sense and so um, yeah, there's, there's a sort of simplification thing going on, I don't think it was a conscious thing on the part of Muhammad that that happened but um, but it just did, and yeah. uh, and it, it works. Like in the sense that people like things that are simple, don't they? Um, who who? Uh, You're
0: talking to someone like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> who, who trying to hide it though? And, and uh, promotes Christianity on the basis of the Trinity is is really complicated, and you you've got to hear about this. Um, I don't think so.
0: Yeah, so rules and regulations somehow cater to, I don't know, the human need. Somehow that we can regulate things, uh, perhaps. But mm-hmm. now let's get back to your Bible st- uh, stories for a minute. The reason I say that is that your book is real. That's what makes it interesting, you know. Uh, the stories that you have, where you really kind of compare where uh, Abraham goes this way and Ishmael takes a left turn, and that's that's all, you know, what really kind of got me interested in your book. Once again, it's called the Quran in Context: A Christian Exploration. Uh, so let's talk a little bit more about that as far as where. You know, in talking to someone like a Muslim or a Christian, you would love to have some kind of continuity. We're OK. We're on page. Abraham's here and Abraham's here. We're good. OK, Moses. here. But why does it just where does it go a different direction? Can you get take us through certain areas of the Bible where one goes that direction and there's no cohesiveness whatsoever?
1: Yeah. Okay. So, um, one of the things that you, you need to reckon with when you're reading the Quran is that it is not ordered chronologically. And so we start out in Genesis with the creation story and Revelation ends with the consummation, the, the end of everything. And so it's, it's wonderful. It's a, a great, uh, you could, it's, it's structured by this long narrative arc. Um, But the Quran is not like that. And so it's more like, I mean, I guess probably the closest thing I can think in the Bible would be like the book of Proverbs, where you you feel like it's sort of jumping around Mm -hmm. back and forth to different topics. And so what it was, was Muhammad was interacting with the people around him and um, uh, there's a lot of polemics in the Quran there's a lot of controversy and debate and argument that sort of thing and often the prophets the biblical prophets are brought up as stories to sort of back up what Muhammad is saying like to sort of strengthen his case to say this happened before to Moses and the Israelites did the very same thing as you're doing and you're so stiff-necked you know that sort of thing is is coming up quite a bit um so but it's it's very sort of fragmentary little bits of stories coming here and there and um so we don't have that kind of narrative structure um most of the time there's a few places where it's different there's one extended story about joseph um, but again, lots of the details will change, and those are often closer to what you get in uh, Jewish, the Jewish tradition. Um, and so, yeah, you just have to kind of wrestle with that. And, and yeah. of course, Maham, uh, Abraham is a great hero in the Quran, and Ishmael is made into a prophet, which we probably wouldn't. Uh, see Ishmael in those terms?
0: No, he did not get a lot of airtime in the no. scriptures. Then they made him see. That's where it gets interesting when you look at characters and how they evolve in one book, the Quran, versus the Bible.
1: Mm-hmm. And and of course for for uh, Muhammad, Ishmael was his link to Abraham. Hmm. And because the Arabs are thought to have come from Ishmael. And so, Muhammad traced his lineage, in a sense, back to Abraham through Ishmael. And so, so that's where Ishmael becomes a prophet. Yeah,
0: and that's and what I wanted to find a little bit more as far as, you know, Muhammad. I mean, how does he evolve? In a sense. I mean we know that we know who Jesus is, that he always existed, you know, and he, he came from uh, from heaven and he took on human flesh, you know, and, and born of a virgin. But I don't it just seems like all of a sudden Muhammad is Muhammad. How does he all of a sudden you know, get into the fabric of, of people's lives? And that's a question mark I still have.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well there's lots and lots of controversy over that, just to let you know. <laughs> um, there are there are people today who question, there are even people who question Muhammad's existence I think that's not necessary uh, not the right way to go um, but there's lots of controversy. Muslims they have a whole tradition about Muhammad and when they approach the Quran and really anybody reading the Quran either needs a sort of guidebook, um, maybe something like my book um, that gives you a, a way into the Quran or else um, you need to come with an understanding of the story of Muhammad. Uh, Otherwise, you'll be really fumbling around and wondering what is going on here because the background is almost never given to you, the, the context. And that's where the title of my book, The Quran in Context, I really try to situate the Quran in its historic context and so Muhammad was a, according to what we understand from uh, tradition, Muhammad was a trader in Arabia in the early 7th century, and um, he, uh, Mecca was on a trade route, not a, a huge trade route, but there was trade that went on there. and. And Muhammad began, according to tradition again, having visions, having uh, messages given to him. And uh, so suddenly he was a prophet speaking to his people and calling them to the worship of the one true God, the God of Abraham, he claimed. And um, so that's then the rest of the Quran is basically his interaction uh, with his people with the Jews who lived in Medina, the the second city that he went to, and um, yeah, there's lots of uh, combative kind of stuff we find in the Quran, uh, because people weren't listening to him, and they weren't getting with his program initially, and uh, yeah.
0: It's but, just interesting how one person can have that kind of effect, you know what I mean? In other words, I won't bow down you know to I bow, down, bow down to Jesus, you know and uh, as do other Christians. but uh, it's just to me it's kind of amazing how one person can have that kind of effect. And so just from you know curiosity, that's I certainly look uh, look to you, you know and wondering what kind of answer is there and I'm, I'm, yeah. it's very helpful.
1: I think he was he was undoubtedly a charismatic leader. You know, very gifted, lots of personality. Um, people, the kind of pe- person uh, people just like to follow. And then it was a time when um, all the empires in the day in that day were religious. So the Byzantine Empire was a religious empire. The Persian Empire was also a religious empire. And so Muhammad started. A religious empire, and all of those empires uh, were advanced their cause by military means, and and so Muhammad did. And really, uh, if you understand the context, the historic context, and I spell this out in my book, um, there had just been this massive war, really a, a world war, um, and um, at a point right after that war, when both sides were Exhausted. The Byzantines had won, but boy, it had taken everything they had to do that. The Arabs under uh, Muhammad and his followers, his successors, they burst out of the Arabian Peninsula and just, they took over the entire Persian Empire and they took huge chunks of the Byzantine Empire and it, it's just gone from there.
0: Well, I love your book, and I recommend the christians buy it and here 's the reason why because you can learn more about Christianity. From getting your book, the Quran in context, the Christian exploration, because you flesh out in comparison, you know, with uh, Christianity and Islam, uh, we understand more about the scriptures as you make your way through and the case for Christ uh, throughout. So, you know, I certainly found that interesting. And so, I do have to ask one last question, though. In all your studies, obviously you're a scholar. What do you, what has been most fruitful as far as in talking to Muslims and in all your research that we can glean from where you? Say say, you know what, um, I could reach you uh, easier this way because I know this about you. I think Christians need to know.
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Michael. Um, one of the things that I think we we don't understand uh, about Muslims is that although they do think of Jesus as a, a great prophet and, you know, they, they feel that they honor him, in Muslim terms, Jesus was kind of a failure. He never even got married. Um, he ended up, they don't believe he died on the cross, but um, they believe that certainly his he didn't have maybe a huge following. At the end, we know that um, Jesus can be looked at even in, in um, the Bible. You could look at his death as a failure. But I think it's really good for us to present Jesus in heroic terms mm-hmm. to Muslims. And so, to present the Sermon on the Mount, for example, his teachings, to present um, stories of his healings, um, rather than, than getting drawn into the really hot-button issues, was he the Son of God, those kind of things, um, just talk about what Jesus did, because Everywhere you see him in the Gospels, he was a hero. He, he, you know, like we we never find wisdom like that anywhere else. That's right. And so, to me, that that's a huge thing. And and really, I um, think we need to present um, his whole life, including the end of his life, his death, in heroic terms. What he did, um, not not so much focusing on the suffering, but on the victory that he achieved.
0: Yeah, that's well said. Mark Robert Anderson, he's with us, our special guest, he studied theology at Westminster Theological Seminary and has an MA in Islamic Studies from McGill University and for nearly a decade he lived and studied and taught in Egypt and Jordan and he writes and lectures in Islam and the Quran and he's the author of Faith Songs, Ancient Psalms for today. That was written in 2010, but we're talking about his book, The Quran in Context, A Christian Exploration. We really enjoyed having you on the program.
1: It's been a, a pleasure, Michael. Thank you for having me.
0: So do we say shalom alaikum, or what do they say in, in the Quran there?
1: Uh, it would be salama uh, <laughs> is probably the, yeah. So peace be with you.
0: Peace be with you. God bless you.
1: Okay, thank you. You too.